Welcome, friends. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a woman of God living in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine. And in today's podcast, I'm sharing two of my favorite people with you. Well, I better make that three of my favorite people because my husband, Tom, is joining the conversation with us. Steve and Nikki Witt go way back with us. They served on our staff at Thompson Station Church two different times. Many people would tell you to never rehire someone who's left you, but rehiring Steve was one of the smartest things Tom ever did. We shared many years of ministry together in Tennessee. Steve on staff and Nikki being the catalyst for bringing our pastor's wives together to celebrate birthdays. A great tidbit about Nikki is that she has an uncanny knack for remembering birthdays. Almost seven years ago, Steve and Nikki left us in Thompson Station to plant the Well Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Some of you might know that God called me to ministry the summer between my junior and senior years in college while serving 10 weeks of summer missions in rural Nevada. I never made it to Las Vegas that summer, but I always thought that God had more ministry for me in that desert somewhere. Many years after settling in Tennessee, I took a group of women to host a women's event for Life Church in Las Vegas. We hosted the event at Hope Church, and so I got to meet their pastor, Vance Pittman, and then I also got introduced to Bria Goddard, who was the wife of Paul Goddard, who was planting the Life Church out of Hope Church. In fact, I think it was just a year or two after that that Bria sent my book, or had it sent, my book, Spiritual Warfare for Women, to every pastor's wife in the state of Nevada. How cool was that? Years before, God had planted a seed for all of Nevada in my heart. And through these years, God has been growing a garden from that seed he planted. Today, both Vance and Paul have left the churches they pastored here in Las Vegas. Vance to work for the North American Mission Board in leading church planners, I believe, and Paul to pastor Sherwood Baptist Church in Georgia. But the church planning movement that these guys started continues strong in this city today. God's moving in powerful ways in Las Vegas, and I thought you might enjoy hearing Steve and Nikki share their story of how God has been working in the planting of the Well Church, as we, Tom and I, and Thompson Station Church have been privileged to be their mother church. And that mother church is the congregation who sent them out and stands by them to support them along the way. Tom and I are so encouraged every time we have the privilege of spending time with Steve and Nikki and then of course John and Emily Labonte who also are serving alongside them here and came out of Thompson Station Church. The work that God is doing here is astounding. As you enjoy our conversation, just know that this is just one of many reasons that I love the journey God's had me on ever since I gave him all of me in the deserts of Nevada. So here I sit at Steve and Nikki's house in very, very hot Las Vegas on a July day. It's, it's middle July, isn't it? What is today? Yeah. I don't even know what today is. Okay, right? Almost smack dab in the middle of July. And it is hot. It is so hot. So stinking hot. (laughs) But not right here, right now. Praise God, y'all got air conditioning. So we're grateful for that. But to... um, to just jump into this exciting conversation, I wanted to, Tom was reminding me, in fact, last night that um, how God was working even before you guys moved out here. And so in 2014, it was September, and our daughter, Michael, our firstborn, was having her second child, River, who is our now almost nine-year-old granddaughter. And um, I think that River was only about two weeks old when Tom and I were scheduled to come out here to Las Vegas for a church planting um, 
Cast the vision. Cast the vision. Cast the vision to her. Early with Send Nam with North American Mission Board with Kevin Ezell. Okay, with Send, and I was so excited about it because I had come back and forth to Nevada for many years doing conferences at various churches and loved it. And the reason I loved it is because God called me to ministry while I was serving as a summer missionary in rural Nevada. And rural Nevada has a whole new definition of rural. (laughs) (laughs) Far different than the city. Jack rabbits and trailers. (laughs) Yeah, outnumber the people. But anyway, and and so I remember being really, really excited because finally Tom was going to get to come out and experience Nevada. And I knew God was up to something. I'd always known God was up to something in my heart and life connected to Nevada. And to be quite honest, I felt like I had dropped the ball on that because I ended up in Tennessee, you know. But um, at the very last minute, I I remember regretting it so much, but I knew I needed to stay home because Michael was going through a rough time. This baby was only two weeks old. And so I just told Tom, I can't I can't do it. And so Tom then called Steve. At, and it was probably what? Less than 24 hours from the flight. Yeah. I asked him on a Monday afternoon, and the flight was on a Tuesday, if I remember correctly. Is that yeah, right, Steve? I think so. Well, off we went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Steve, were you like the missions pastor at our church at the time? Like, our why did he invite me? I was doing evangelism and okay. students. Okay. And okay. kind of discipleship, I guess, at that time. Yeah. If I remember right. All right, so you, th- y'all take it up from there, because that was like my little part of the story is that I didn't get on the plane. <laughs> and so I think Steve was in it. Steve and Nikki were in their second stint at Thompson Station Church, yeah. and yeah. Steve was always our evangelism guy. But then it yeah. was it was a utility player. He did whatever else, students, <laughs> discipleship, yeah. missions, yeah. whatever. And then so Steve and I got on the plane, flew out here. And what happened then, Steve? Yeah, we got there. I remember we got there on a, a the first night. Um, it was. Different guys sharing, like Ed Litton, Vance Pittman. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Kevin Ezell was there, if I remember right. Yeah. And that was good. They always do good. Those guys are all home run hitters, and they had a lot of churches in there. Thompson Station was one of them. And uh, and I was impressed. It was a great, they did a great job. But the next day is what really mattered. They put us all on a bus, and we start just riding around the city. They're taking us to different spots where they had mainly church plants. I think that's all we went to, actually. And we would go hear a word from the church planter and what was going on in their context. And uh, fast, just a, a side note, every one of those churches we went to that day doesn't exist anymore. Oh, oh my goodness. They, they all have closed. That's uh, wild. So, But we went there. And then I remember being up on Red Rock or around that area, and we're up on that hill, and that pastor was saying, you know, were we praying over the city, Steve, the whole if city. I remember? Yeah. And he said, you know, 95%, I think he's told us, percent of the city goes to bed at night without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he said, what are you going to do about it? And uh, that's all I had to hear. That's when it really wrecked me. And I, from that moment on, I'm, you know, Spring Hill is like, it's been my home for a long, long time, even though I've, I've served in East Tennessee churches. I've served in Middle Tennessee for much, much, much longer, all the way back to the beginning of my ministry. So my my desire was to retire at Thompson Station to stay there, and uh, I just love it. That's you know that was my home, that was my fit, and then God just turned all that upside down. So God uh, just God stirred in my heart that I'm calling you to the city, and I. But yeah. Steve, it was almost instantaneous. Yeah. Remind us, remind me and Leanne, Nikki, and our listeners, Leanne's listeners. I mean, didn't you tell me, like, on the way back on the flight that I'm wrecked and I got to go back there? And I said, Have you lost your mind or yeah. what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, that? Well, we were, Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, we stayed at the Green Valley Ranch, which is just, what, five, six minutes down the road. And it was very, very close to here. So we're staying there. And I remember being in our room that night, right before we were to fly back. And, um, I was just an emotional wreck that night. I didn't sleep, and I thought, you know, I could stay there in Spring Hill where we have, you know, it's one of the greatest cities to live in. Uh, you have a lot of great <laughs> people. Is. You have a lot of great schools. And, uh, it, you know, Thompson Station is just a church where if you need healing, it's one of the best healing churches mm-hmm. in the country where, you know, if you just need a place to go to, to just have a time of disconnect and get close to Christ. So I loved it. and But, again, to stay there or to come here, well, God's call on my life is evangelism primarily. Mm -hmm. So I knew that even though I was at the time 46, (laughs) that 
I was old to be a church planner, but I knew God, what God calls you to do, he will equip you to do, and he'll prepare you to do. So we started that process. I called Nikki that morning we were leaving, and she knew something was wrong. I remember she asked me, right, weren't you? Well, yeah, so Nikki, what's the funny, your take? The funny part of this story, and he may have never told you this, Pastor Tom, but he, when you asked him, when you said you couldn't go, Leanne, he uh-huh. says, I don't know if I... I don't need to go to Vegas, do I? Don't we have stuff going on? <laughs> and, yeah. and honestly, he, he didn't even want to go. He only did it. He only did it because the pastor. And honestly, I said, actually, we don't have anything going on. Uh, <laughs> I said, it is, it's pretty. It's pretty dead around here. I mean, if you want to go, you can go. You, you know, gotta, you gotta go keep Tom company. And, yeah. and so, funny thing, you know, he had. This was before he called me. And I don't know if it was me or the Lord. I really don't know for sure. But I'm standing in the shower doing my day-to-day. He had already left on the plane, and and it came to me, is this it? Is this all there is for you? Wow. And I thought, well, I kind of like it the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) And so that question is mulling around in my mind, you know. And then he calls me, and he starts talking about, Oh, you wouldn't believe these people are so great. They're so nice. And and they did you know ninety-five percent don't know if they died mm-hmm. tonight, they'd go to heaven. And I thought, he is moving me to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew, I knew I said, You don't want to move there, do you? And he said, Well, no, 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 no. I you know, and then the next uh-huh. day, same conversation. Uh-huh. Are you wanting to move? <laughs> and I, I knew when he came home there would be a conversation of some sort. I didn't know exactly where it would lead, but yeah. I had some suspicions. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was a really, and then, you know, Thompson Station was really gracious because Las Vegas is, you know, at the time there were around 2.1, 2.2 million people. So it's not just where you're moving to Vegas, where are you moving to Vegas? So we mm-hmm. prayer walked. So Tom allowed me to come out here, I guess, eight or nine or 10 times. I don't even mm-hmm. know how many times I flew out here, but TSC mm-hmm. funded our mission basically to, mm-hmm. to come out here and I prayer walk for hours just saying, Lord, mm-hmm. where where are you at work in this city that you want me to join you? So uh, Kevin Ezell was really pushing us and Vance were to go over into the Rhodes Ranch area, which was uh, the very, I don't know what you call that area. It's kind of the far uh, west end of Las Vegas. Hey, Steve, just for our Leanne's listeners, tell us who Vance Pittman is and Kevin Ezell so they have context. Oh, yeah. Vance Pittman well, at that time, was the pastor at Hope Church, Las Vegas. Now he's the president of Send North America, vice president of the North American Mission Board. Kevin Ezell was the president, or is the president of NAM. Mm-hmm. And so, so they're in charge of the Southern Baptist Convention Church planning. All right. right. Yeah. And we were, actually had a little bit of a relationship with them because I had been to the Hope Church to lead women's yeah. conferences. We had taken a women's group, actually, on a mission trip out here, and we had served in their church. And wow. Vance and I have done some yeah. preaching conferences. He so, spoke at our church. Even. That's right. right. And he and he said, put your yes on the table. So back to David <laughs> yeah. directing you, these two great leaders of church planning through the SBC in the North American area were directing you to a certain rancho area. Yeah, at Rhodes Ranch, it's it's a more upper, it's a nice area kind of in that area. They thought coming out of Williamson County, that would mm-hmm. be what I'd be most comfortable with. But I grew up in East Knoxville. So <laughs> I'm, I'm more, that's exactly the opposite of my, I'm more of a, you know, blue collar guys. Redneck, so, just yeah. say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, they call where we are Hinder Tucky. Hinder Tucky. And, that, and we and didn't did. call it that. The natives here call it that. They so brought, we felt right at home. Yeah, y'all feel right. <laughs> then, our realtor, the guy that I was talking to, the realtor said, let me show you where I live. We call this the last frontier, the Sierra that's growing. Mm-hmm. Brought me out to this end out here in Henderson. And we just start prayer walking. And we prayer walked around basic high school. And basic high school reminded me so much of where I went to high school and uh, in so many ways. And I just knew immediately that God called me to this place. And this is in early 2015. He took me to a storefront and said, you know, this is an area if you guys ever want to rent a place, this would be a good spot. And he showed me a house. He said, you know, if you're looking for a house, this is a good typical house in this part of the neighborhood. And you fast forward about eight months later, our church started in, once we started in our house, which was the house he showed us, the house he showed us was the house we bought. It was way out of our price range 
Uh, our realtor made a ridiculously low offer. They took it. We're in it. That's where the church started. <laughs> was in our living room. Right. And then once we evolved past that, we we started our church in the storefront that he showed us and rented that place for five years. That's but, amazing. That, that is incredible. Hey, listen, um, let's back up just a minute. Steve and Nikki have two daughters, beautiful Marley and Mariah. But yeah. Nikki was working at the time and staying back at home with and Marley, Marley. was a senior well, because Steve, Marley, Marley was, was a senior. senior. Yeah. So Finishing Steve, high school. So Steve yeah. and Mariah came to Las Vegas in January, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And tell us about the January two of you. January first. Tell us about Steve, you and Mariah. What y'all did during that winter and spring, and how you went door to door, and then how you started. What you thought about how this is going to work? Oh, it was uh, that was a really tough time. Me and Mariah loaded up. It's 1,860 miles from our door at Spring Hill to the door here where we were in our house. And I remember we, Mariah, it was just me and Mariah. Mariah wanted to come with us. She didn't want me to be there alone for those six months. So we came and uh, we pulled up. We didn't even have anybody at the time to help us unload the van. So (laughs) we're unloading the vehicle. We had somebody from another church finally come over to help us with some of the heavy stuff. But I remember Mariah went into the backyard. She didn't even want me to know. And she just started weeping in the backyard because she has given up everything she knew. She'd never, didn't know anybody. And what grade was she in? Eighth grade. She was in her second half of her eighth grade year. Mm -hmm. So it was a really difficult time. And Mm -hmm. so we got moved in. I remember that when we first started the the well, the well wasn't a church. It was an idea. It was just, there was no body. (laughs) It all comes out of John chapter four, the woman at the well, which I think is one of the most interesting stories in scripture because people look at that lady and you know jesus came to her she had been married five times was living with a person but i think people misunderstand that text because in that culture a woman cannot divorce the man right five men had had misused her and abused her she was living with somebody Mm -hmm. who was again taking her more as property than someone to be endeared and then the god of the universe who created her goes up to her especially and, and short, shared the story of life, and she was forever changed. Mm-hmm. And again, she became one of the great evangelists in that community. Right. Jesus commissioned her out into that community to go out and share the gospel. And mm-hmm. so that's where we got the name, it's John chapter 4. Mm-hmm. So it was an idea, but it wasn't a church. So we just, me and Mariah, had, we bought a bunch of mugs uh, <laughs> that had the well church on them. And we, would go, mugs, okay. we would go and just carry mugs, go door to door in Weston Hills, knocking on doors and just inviting people to a Bible study that we started at the end of January. So we knocked on probably somewhere between two, three, three hundred, maybe more doors and gave away a bunch of mugs. And we set up our living room. Our house was 1,800 square feet. We set up our little living room area thinking, oh, we're going to have you know, 20, 30, 40 people. Two people showed up. <laughs> and I thought, okay, we messed up. <laughs> we, we, we had messed up. And you know, one of the things we, we talked about is, you know, what will it take for you to, to quit? You know, yeah. you, can, you can quit a job, you can change careers, but you can't leave a calling. Right. And when God calls you to some place, you have to stay steadfast to that if he called you. Right. And and that was the thing I kept going back. Did God really call me here? And, that, and yeah. continually the answer was yes. Mm. So we just kept knocking on doors. The next week we had three, so it was a 50% increase. That's right. Well, <laughs> talking percentages <laughs> when you're you less than 100. You have numbers. Yeah, when numbers. you're small, you're talking percentages. <laughs> That's right. So I remember Easter was in March, and it was really neat because a couple from Thompson Station mm. flew in. Didn't tell me they were coming. They might have told Nikki, but they came in mm-hmm. and just uh, the guards is a really precious mm-hmm. couple that were in Tom, maybe still at Thompson Station and just came in and blessed us that morning. We had 17 people. We had a little German wow. couple where she didn't even speak English. and uh, <laughs> But I guess she got something out of it. Uh, we didn't have worship. We just read the word out loud. We did communion and we had 17. And that was the that was just a Bible study. And we just continued that until... Nikki joined, or uh, Tom, uh, you know, Tom had commissioned us and the church had commissioned us. We'd moved there. Mm-hmm. It was a really unsettling time for those first. It's the loneliest time, those first six months. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John Labonte and Emily Labonte, who, when I first asked them to join me, uh, John said no immediately. He's like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not. He goes, we'll help yeah. support you, but I'm not moving out of here. And then yeah. God got hold of his heart. I'm like, yeah. So I told him, I said, you don't ever say no without praying. 
Mm-hmm. So anyway, he ended up here and coming with us in April, and then we started uh, just this ministry. We've had so many mission teams. Oh, my goodness. And these mission teams that we have, I remember the first one that showed up was uh, from Lee University. They brought a mission team out, and Lauren Terrell was in that group, and they came out. We knocked on doors, and they they all stayed at our house, so they're all sleeping in our living room. You know how college kids are. They don't care. (laughs) And they just encouraged us. Then the next month, we had a, a mission team from somewhere in Kentucky, Little Flock Baptist yeah. Church. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah. so Rob and uh, they came to our church. They came here, built us a grill trailer in our in our garage, yeah. and uh, they were all in their sixties except for one of them and older. Mm. And they uh, built a grill trailer. Then that week we served one thousand elementary school students. As soon as we built it, and these people served, and the principal of that school was overwhelmed that we were doing this. And I'm like. These mission teams helped us extend our reach in the community. TSC mm-hmm. sent a team. They helped us in so many ways in that uh, in that first year because we outgrew our house quickly and moved into a storefront. Thompson Station built out our, uh, put the carpet down, built our stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Ellis, and Dave Wood, and I forget who all was on that first mm-hmm. team. And they just worked all day. I mean, that, the thing is, we worked them to death, so we had a hard time getting them to come back. We <laughs> <laughs> wanted a steady flow of workers and finances coming from the mm. South, and we just look at that as just amazing. It was really a team effort. Yeah. Oh. And everybody that's ever contributed in any way, prayer, financially, mission team, well, you are a part of what God's doing yeah. here. It, yeah, it's so amazing. So it's yeah. very humbling because we're we're we get to see it, but you all have been. We it couldn't have happened without everyone. Yeah. You know when y'all, especially Thompson Station, take us back here. Of course, Tom and I started with eight people in '89, in Thompson Station. And as you're talking, I'm remembering all the mission teams that used to come. It makes me just about want to cry because of the same feeling mm-hmm. of realizing that you get to be on the front line and you get to experience and be the recipient of all of that. But all of those people who just give, like sacrificially, yes. they pay their own way there. They come and they pour themselves out. And build all of our buildings. And had we not had mission teams. And worked teams, so many hours. We work. couldn't have done, like, it truly is a community of, it's like the church with a great big C, not yeah. just the little, you That's know, the right. local church. It's the body of Christ. It takes a lot of people to reach a lot of people. It does. And yeah. it's, it's, it's and that's one of the things we think. We think it can be done. And again, God can do sovereignly whatever he wants, but he chooses for us to work in community. I think that's one of the most yes, powerful good. testimonies of the Southern Baptist Convention. And what has held me to this denomination is, we show other people that we can cooperate together for world missions, for national missions, church for helping, planning, for, yes. yeah, for church planning, yeah. for disaster relief. That there's no greater testimony than the outside world to see the body of Christ loving each other, serving, uh, serving each other, and extending the gospel. Everybody that moved here, every church that came out here to serve, became the Well Church that week. Yes, I said you're not a member of whatever. To right. This week, you are a member of the Well That's Church. It. And they so embrace that. And if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't, we certainly wouldn't be here where we are now. That's good. So as Leanne mentioned, you know, we're here in the middle of July in uh, 2023. And so September the 10th, I think the second Sunday of September, Nikki and Steve and the well will celebrate a seventh year anniversary. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Obviously, the number seven has some biblical meaning, the year of completion, the year of perfection, and so forth. You know, God, you know, had seven days, six days to work, seven day, seventh day rest. Mm-hmm. So with all this, and we've covered a long span just for the listeners that listen to Leanne's podcast. You know, the church started with uh, Mariah mm-hmm. and uh, Steve, you know, knocking on some doors with two people, then 20 people and whatnot in their home. Now they're running over 400 in a beautiful building that, that all of you who gave and worked on, th- on uh, 3.9 acres right on a multi-lane highway, which is Lake Mead. Lake Mead Parkway. Lake yeah. Mead Parkway. So we've come a long way in seven years. Before we before we go on with Leanne's next question, I want to go back to Nikki. I mean, did you think your husband lost his mind? 
when he when he said we got to go to Vegas, Nikki, you, you tell know, us tell us what you thought. It, I don't. It, I've just always trusted God's call on him. You know, I never. I never questioned it. You know, my biggest concern was telling my parents that I'm moving to Vegas <laughs> because right. everybody assumes you're going to live on the strip. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so my, my mom especially had a hard time with it. And she said the Lord really dealt with her very sweetly about it mm. in a uh, prayer time with her friends. Mm. Her friends were praying for other things that their kids were going through that were very difficult. Mm. And she said it was as if the Lord said to me, and your problem is? (laughs) Your daughter's going to be a missionary to the West. She said, and so from that day on, she said, you know what? It's okay, Lord, I'm good. And you know, they have supported us and been very positive and visit us regularly. And uh, it's it's just how God works things out. And so I just never really questioned it because I knew it was right. Yeah. And I trusted that God was, there was a whole list of things that Steve had listed out personally that had to be checked off. 50, okay. I had 50 things I had written down that okay. if God really wanted me to leave Thompson Station, which I didn't <laughs> 50 want. Things. 50 things. I had written them Steve, down. Steve, you know how good that makes me feel? That's all. Because I cried. I, I, had, I had, you know, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever said this, Nikki or Steve. I had the best evangelism pastor that I believe in the whole Southern Baptist Convention. And so, okay, great. He's going to plant a church in Vegas, but I'm losing the best evangelism <laughs> and not just a pastor, but the best personal evangelist I've ever, ever met is Steve Witt. Well, and, and the so people love The people Steve love, and, and they, they still love yeah, Steve and right. Nikki. And so, I, I mean, you know, I'm in the flesh, I hated him coming here in the spirit. Okay, God, it's all right. I hated losing. You know why, though, Tom? It's because before that, you started, your mom was such a missions hearted and minded person. That's right. And you promised her, you said, okay, I don't share that passion like you do, but I will ask God to give me that passion. That's and you true. started praying for that. That's true. And the Lord let you practice it. So, and so we yeah. have sent out. Oh, yeah, it, it, it was amazing. You know, it, I, I wish, uh, you know, I've known John Lamonte since he was in high school. The first time I came on staff at Thompson Station in June of 2004, my first two weeks, John said, uh, Pastor Tom said, hey, you're going to children's camp. I'm like, what? (laughs) That's how we recruited our staff. That's where he learned lawnmower aerobics, by the way. I showed them, yeah. We still do lawnmower aerobics. And that's where I met John Lamonte. And I, and I, I loved, you know, anyway. John yeah. was a, was at Thompson Station too, so yeah. TSC had not only you know I came out of there. Uh, John Labonte was at Inglewood at the time, but he came out of Thompson. He Station was on Church. our staff, right? Yeah, he was yeah. with me. He was worked with me in evangelism. Yeah, yeah. Right. so that was such a. And again, uh, it's good when you can go because I don't think anyone should plant by themselves. If you're going to plant, you need to have a partner. It's a lot That's more good. work on the front end because you have to raise a lot more money, not just your salary, right. but theirs. Not, but because you need someone there to help you talk you off the ledge on those days where you're like, this is too big. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, one of the greatest things that happened to me, the first month that I moved to this town, a friend of a friend knew the head coach at basic and knew that I had coached high school football. I'd coached at, used to coach at heritage middle, then independence, Mm -hmm. then summit. And they knew I coached, so they said they called Cahill. Cahill called me, and I had breakfast with him. And, and Cahill is the head coach at Basic, at basic High, School. High School here in Henderson. Long, so we, so we met, and and I didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't have a church to pastor because the well wasn't a church yet. So I began coaching high school football mm-hmm. as soon as I moved there. So I was coaching football before I was pastoring. So a lot of our church still calls me coach because mm-hmm. a lot of those we baptized at least. Yeah, Steve, tell about that. Yeah, at, at least forty of our football players have been baptized. Amazing. Our our base player was our middle linebacker uh, <laughs> up there, and uh, we have a lot of our football players that still come every week, guys that we've had for years. But I'll never forget the first one we led to Christ was Stevie Justice, and he was a uh, he and I became he's we're close friends. He's actually graduating college now in in South Dakota or North, North Dakota. Dakota. Uh, at a college out there he plays wide receiver for a college out there but he became one of our first converts and he started bringing his mom and his dad we baptized their entire family 
Stevie Justice started bringing kids to our Tuesday night youth night, and we had we had a large youth group. We had a bigger youth group than we had a church. And uh, what was incredible is so many of our kids got came to Christ in 2017. It changed our football team. So Stevie wow. was our captain in 2017. We we're having a game, uh, second game of the season. We're playing Canyon Springs. All out brawl breaks out on the field. We get pepper sprayed. It was terrible. Oh my goodness! It made national news. ESPN. It was. It was tweeting on that. NBA players were commenting oh on, you know, pepper spraying basic players, and oh it was a rough night. Well, anyway, that was a really come to Jesus moment when we got in the locker room and said, "Is this what we want to be known as?" Yeah. And God, from that day, that next day, God started taking hold of these players. <clears throat> so many of them got saved between that game and the, and the seventh or eighth game. Mm. We're playing Green Valley, which is our heated rival. That game, there were at least, I don't know, 40 or 50 police officers at that game because usually it's a, it's a pretty rough game. But our kids, our captain Stevie and the captain at Green Valley had made a deal at the end of the game, we're all going to come to the center of the field, no matter who wins, and we're going to pray. That had never happened. That's incredible. That was so beautiful. Yeah, we we had a picture over here of of that moment. Oh, wow. And and it it had never happened before. Wow. Nobody had ever seen it. Our head coach doesn't believe in God. None of our other coaches are Christian. Wow. But what was amazing is at the end of the game, the cops wouldn't let us onto the field. They were Mm. keeping us off. I said, I'm telling you. These guys aren't going to fight. Just watch them. So they finally let us on. They all gathered, and they put their arms around each other. And and Stevie said, Pastor, are you going to pray? And I'm like, no, you're going to pray. So mm-hmm. Stevie starts praying in Jesus' name that he would save our city, save this valley. And this is a kid that had never been to church, never knew anything about God. Fast forward just a couple months, he's praying that God would <laughs> save this city. Now, our Bible studies are different. Our first, I'll never forget our youth Bible studies. We have mission teams in. We're just starting. And I told our, our mission teams, I'm like, look, this is not how Bible studies are done in the South. Our kids are going to drop the F-bomb from time to time during their <laughs> prayers and studies. They're working it out. And yeah. you've got to be patient. Yeah. And, of course, they did. And they asked very, very personal questions because that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that... Those days were so precious, and now I look forward to this. And I thought God used that as uh, such a catalyst. I, I, today we baptized—I don't know—close to two hundred people or so. We're sitting in uh, Steve and Nikki's living room, uh, dining room, and there's a beautiful, beautiful picture of those two football teams kneeling at uh, at the fifty-yard line, all of them together. What a beautiful, beautiful picture! Yeah. And a parent took that picture and, and put it in a frame and mailed it to. It. Not so, oh, I don't goodness. remember which parent it was. No, it wasn't even know. a parent that was Christian. They just took yeah. a picture of it. They just well, they said they they grew up at Basic. They've never seen this before. That's it's incredible. What a great, what an incredible, great story. And I know you've got a bazillion of them, of just the radical life change that God's made, the transformation in people's lives. It's just, uh, I mean, we could sit here all night and talk about that. I'd love, though, for us to talk just as we begin to sort of wrap this great conversation up about the how prayer has impacted the ministry here. Of course, that's my passion, and it's what most of our podcasts are about, is about you know, prayer and how to and why and, and examples of answered prayers and that kind of thing. So talk to us about kind of what your prayer journey has been and how God has worked in response to prayer in, in all that's gone on here at the well. Um, prayer has always been one of my weaknesses in ministry because, you know, people, I focus on evangelism, which mm-hmm. is sharing the gospel. And what where I was disconnecting was the power of prayer being an offensive weapon in the kingdom of God. It's a, That's it's good. one of its primary functions in, in ministry is to take the gospel yep. into a lost world. You know, darkness is only dark when there's an absence of light. Oh, that's right. And it's that's not, right. and that's why prayer is where you really do the power in, in, in seeing that the darkness push back. And in February of this year, the well has been growing and we've seen amazing things. But what God had really been pressing on my heart was as the well goes forward, we need to be a, a church that is so intentional about prayer. We mm-hmm. assume, it's funny, <coughs> I assumed that people knew how to pray. 
because, you know, that's one of the things that's almost inherent. Well, you know, anybody can pray, but I was challenged by this book, this guy named, uh, it's called Old Past New Power by Daniel Henderson. He said, do you have Bible study? Do you train people how to study the Bible? Well, of course we do. Do you have train people how to witness? Well, of course we do. Mm -hmm. How about worship? Do you all practice? Of course we do. Yep. Why do you assume people just know how to pray? They, he goes, most people don't. Right. That's and right. that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized, and he said, don't make it complicated. Mm -hmm. Pray scripture. There you Read go. Read scripture and pray it out loud. Personalize it. And what he did at this conference, he took eight or nine random scriptures and took them and personalized them in context and said, any Jesus follower can do that. Yeah. And I remember as soon as that happened, I, I said, this is how we're going to be. We're going to focus on prayer mm -hmm. going forward. The well is built on five maxims. You know, we're all about loving people and teaching truth. Mm -hmm. And I think by and large, we're trying to do that. But our five maxims, which we believe every believer has to focus on these five things if they're going to grow. Bible study, prayer, worship, fellowship, and sharing the gospel. And one of the things that, you know, the other things we, we focus on a lot um, you know, we Bible study. We certainly focus on that fellowship, worship. We, you know, we're intentional about evangelism. But prayer was an area that we were anemic in, mm -hmm. and we had a couple that came, Jan and Jada, who just appeared into our church and said, "God has called us to intercessory prayer." Mm -hmm. And then I read this book, and then those things just married together, and we we now begin every Sunday. We have a group of people in our prayer room. We took our green room. And we just said it's no longer a green room. Now it's a prayer room right That's behind good. the the right behind the stage. Mm -hmm. And we have a group of people that come and they pray for the entire service through mm -hmm. the entire service. So Steve, you're saying it's more important for the <laughs> church people to pray than to relax yeah. and have something to drink before the services? Yeah. Yeah, right. That's right. It, it's a wow. It yeah. is a it's a powerful thing. And what's amazing is you I can tell. As soon as they started yeah. praying, we you could <laughs> you feel it, don't you? I could feel it in my yeah. preaching. I could feel it in our worship. Yeah. I could feel it in our prayers. The that. people were more, you know, our, our one of our things that we challenge every Sunday morning. We all pray as a group. So all of our staff and mm -hmm. our lead volunteers, we come together and pray, and we say, Lord, please let us notice people this morning. Yeah. Don't let us miss that person that came to church. This is his last ditch effort. He's about to say. I'm giving up on everything. Please don't let us miss that person. Yeah. So that's an important prayer because we get so caught up in church of just reunionary right. contacts that we forget that a lot of, especially at the well, we have a lot of visitors that come every week and we don't want to miss them. That's right. So we want to have the, the gift of noticing. Hmm. So we that's pray, good. you have to pray that. So we, we right. pray that a lot. And we have a couple praying couples now praying behind the stage we do a monthly prayer time where we pray for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Somebody, we have different people take a different hour. We quarterly have a prayer and, and worship service, healing that. service where yeah. we have On people the fifth come Sunday, up. We had a guy that had cancer, uh, final stage cancer. He was seen in hospice. He came forward that night. He could barely get out of his wheelchair, and we all laid hands and we anointed him with the oil. So the Baptist people don't listen to this, but we anointed him with the oil. And, and you could feel the power of God in that room oh, yeah. that night. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. Well, the next Sunday he came on a Sunday morning, which he had never done before. And he hasn't missed a Sunday morning. Wow. He went back to the doctor about a week or two ago. And they said he is in remission. He was on hospice to get out remission. Wow. So we're yeah, excited. that's what only okay. God can do yeah. right there. Is All good. you listeners of this podcast, listen, take your green room and, and turn it into it a prayer room. Prayer room. That's right. If you have a green room without a prayer room, shame on all that's of us. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you know that Charles Spurgeon had a group of people. Yeah. yeah. Underneath Charles Spurgeon. And he, that was where he said praying. the secret to the, the success power. was. Yeah, yeah they right. said, what is the power of your church? And he yeah. took him into the basement. The heating apparatus. He said, he said <laughs> right this here. is the power of, our, of that church. So I, I believe that if we mm -hmm. truly want to see God's will, we have to pray. Uh, and, and again, we have to disciple prayer. So all of our That's small right. groups, which we started with one, we now have 17 adult Bible studies now. Mm -hmm. And with, like the one I lead on Tuesday, we start the first seven to 10 minutes is just prayer. We have different tables and we 
We have a scripture of the day, and uh -huh. we say personalize and pray that out loud. Ooh, that's and then good. we'll ask. Then you can intercessory pray over sick. Yeah. You always start with that prayer. Then we ask our people to pray evangelistically because usually uh, we pray more people out of heaven than we do out of hell sometimes. Right. So we want to make sure that we are focused in that prayer time. So we, so we focused on evangelistic prayer and then for whatever our physical needs are. So that, and then we go into our Bible study. So I love that. Prayer, prayer if, if we're going to see a movement of God in the city of Las Vegas, this is a pre-Christian city. Yeah. And we believe this town is primed for an awakening. So Well, it sounds like you're beginning to experience it. I, I think so. With I think the way the Lord's moving in the hearts and lives of people. A lot of churches are seeing we saw almost seven hundred people at the well on Easter Sunday. That's incredible. And these so are and again the well, this is not a religious community. It, people right. don't just say, Hey, it's Easter Sunday. Let's, Let's go, go to, to church. church. Right. Uh huh. So it was uh, honestly we were blown away. I had very I I had very low expectations wow. that day. I thought we'd just have our regular church crowd. Steve, I love, I love, love, like, how you're weaving that. I love, one, that you have the five very specific things, Bible study, um, fellowship, worship, prayer, prayer and sharing evangelism, your sharing your faith. I love that you're focused on that. And then I love what you're saying about how prayer, we, we oftentimes neglect it just simply because we think it's unspiritual to teach people how, <laughs> but it's certainly not unspiritual to teach people how to pray. It just like, and Tom, you and I were talking about that just the other day about how we teach everything else we teach and everything else we structure. And so unless you structure, not don't program prayer, but make sure that you create space and time and priority to prayer. And you guys are doing such an incredible thing with that. One of the things that we've uh, experienced in our prayer ministry in the um, in the prayer clinic team being the people that um, like the minute clinic concept where people come to you for prayer with their needs is that we take that that stepping on place it begins the discipleship process yeah. or I wish I, I could have a new word of prayer ship you know process because we're staying with them until God answers that prayer we're with them in the ups and the downs and we help to communicate how God works and how he's loving us still when it's not turning out the way we thought it would. And, you know, it just becomes a place of being able to grow people through whatever circumstance they're in to see. And then it also becomes a place like, just like what y'all have all the time, where when God's answering prayers, especially if we're praying specifically, if we pray specifically for things like your man who's sick and that's a specific prayer and then that gives God the opportunity to really show us and you know even if we're simple minded to show us how he answers and so when we see when we track with that and when then when we see those answers coming that's when the whole church is like oh my goodness God really does answer us when we pray and they can enter in you know and continue growing but that's it's right. an ongoing process and that's what I love about how you're doing it and you're doing it in your groups I love that I love that scheduled time that you're doing or I'll your Most are, of them do that. Okay, yeah, that's, a, that's, what, that's as, as we evolve, that's going to be a requirement. That's great. And you're you, going to teach you, them how to do that. You always do it at the beginning. I love it. Because if you wait till the end, you're yeah. just getting the left. That's so true. And yeah. you don't sit there and just take prayer requests. I'm no. a real big proponent on don't sit there and take prayer requests. Because we'll talk all day. Yeah, yeah, but that, don't do I was, that. I, when no. I was pastoring in East Tennessee, we used to have Wednesday night prayer meeting. Yeah. And it was never a prayer meeting. It was a prayer request meeting. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. we'd have five pages of stuff. Yeah. And we never got to it. No, yeah, it's we exhausting. talk about prayer 40 minutes, we pray four minutes. Yeah. Is that hey, right? And you I'd know what? Just pray. Something else that made me think about when you were talking about when you guys get together and you pray and you ask people to help you notice. Tom, tell us what you tell our people, our staff, when they get together to pray every Sunday morning. We two circle yeah. up every Sunday morning. And one thing that Tom says almost every Sunday morning, you tell us what that well, is. Well, Steve and I talked today. I said, when the people come and they have a burden, they have a sick friend, they have a, they have a prodigal child, and they say, would you pray for John or Sally or whatever? I tell our staff, don't say, yes, I will pray for you or them say, let's pray right now. And I mm -hmm. say, put a put a hand on their shoulder, if it's appropriate, and just say, let's pray right now, and pray 45 seconds about whatever need they requested. And I told Steve, even today I mentioned that, and I yep. said, I can't tell you the countless number of times how tears have welled up in the eyes of mm -hmm. people standing in the aisle of a worship center, out in the hallway, or in the welcome center, because I stopped 
and gave all my attention to them and then turned all our attention to God and prayed about their need. That is so powerful in people's lives. Praying in the moment, trusting God and encouraging them. Yeah. And that's teaching them as well. And you know, Mm -hmm. the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. So it is something that has to be taught. Matthew 6, Jesus could have covered a thousand other things. In the Sermon on the Mount, what was one of the primary things? Pray in this way. What lays them out. I love reciting the Lord's Prayer. We used to have football, which was always weird because Jesus (laughs) didn't say pray this prayer. We'd always pray that prayer and say, all right, let's go kill them. You know, one of the things we pray about every Sunday, because Sunday is important Mm -hmm. because we said if Jesus comes back today or this week, if this is the last time we ever gather to worship and sing, you know, sing and read the word out loud and pray, if this is the last time, let's make a big deal out of this day. That's right. That's good. And, and, you know, that's something we pray every week because it's going to be one of those weeks because... You know, Matthew 24 teaches us when, when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to the whole world, then the end will come. That right. last person that says yes to Christ, which again, that's why you want to be evangelizing right. and praying and praying evangelistically. Yes. Wouldn't that be awesome if you're in there? Because as a it. church, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And the last person that prays, they're like, or the last Woo! person that prays to receive Christ. Here like, we go. Woo! I've got that time. <laughs> That's good. The thief um, on the cross would be like, yeah, I was right there. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, I, y'all been here seven, well, almost seven years. We'll celebrate a seven-year anniversary. This church has a building now. Tom and I remember being out here a couple of years ago. Where you Praying had, over the property. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It was just rocks. In fact, yes. I picked up rocks and gave them back to our staff at home to remind them to pray, pray. for you guys right. and your property. And then to get to come back, you know, we're not in the day in and day out. It's way more fun, let me just say, to be in the seat we're in than the one that y'all are in. I just know how much work that is because we've been there too, you know, and building the buildings and that kind of thing. But it's been so fun. And then I got to be here um, just last year when y'all moved into that new building. It was for like the first a reunion. Time. It was unbelievable we had Topher we had Reagan we had all the it was like a TSC reunion that it really was and Topher was a former youth pastor who served on our staff he now serves in Rome Georgia um Reagan is another pastor who served on our staff or grew up at our church practically and um served and is now a church planner and doing incredible work in Ohio and then um who and then we had Sam and Katie our new Pastor yes, in the wings there. who was headed out. They were there. Tom, unfortunately, couldn't be there because he had to go home and do a wedding. But it was just a, a really special day to be in the building and that kind of thing. Oh, my goodness. But, Steve, you're only, you're only just getting started. I mean, God's given you a great big vision. Share with us kind of what that, what that looks like, sort of where you are now and where you see the future. Yeah. The, the model we have is where we are now. This is a more permanent home that we have. Our vision next is as we feel this one is now to move into the church planning mode and the church restoration mode, or, you know, to look around to say, what's God calling us to do in planting churches throughout the city uh, of Las Vegas? We'd like to plant an additional six churches here in the valley as God would give us the ability. So uh, Pastor John's going to move and transition over into that role primarily mm-hmm. to really help us be missions focused, to be mm-hmm. intentional about, because your first church plant has to be incredibly successful, um, or we won't have another one. Oh, you so, don't get to say that. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, Steve and Nikki, thank y'all for doing really good. That's right. So we <laughs> can do an another difference. and another. Yeah. So right. we want to make that's sure good. that it's successful. So we're we're in mode now to do that. And um, again, we want to keep our church simple. One of the I'll never forget. I'm we're at TSC. We're in staff meeting. And we're going through the book Simple Church written by Tom Rainer. I think we got through about four weeks of it. Uh-huh. And then we realized we're not simple. <laughs> we're right. about as complicated as it comes. <laughs> yes. And one of the real great things about being a church planter is you can start it simple and keep it simple. Mm-hmm. You would think that it's easy to keep a church simple. It is really difficult yeah. because there's a million things that we could do okay or a lot of things we could do okay, but there's only three or four things we can do excellent. And I think that's the greatest downfall of most churches. We try to do everything, you know, with great with with greatness, and most churches just don't have that capacity. That's right. We can do three or four things really well. Yeah. So we want to really zero in and keep our churches centered around the maxims of the well, Bible study, prayer, worship, fellowship, and sharing the gospel, state of small group systems, our discipleship primarily comes out of this. 
our discipleship comes out of our well groups. That's good. And then there'll be additional discipleship that happens in smaller pockets, even outside of those small groups. Mm -hmm. And then do intentional prayer training, evangelism training, Bible study training. We want to train our children. And again, this is something that's been practiced in the South, but it's a very important tool. We do the gospel project so that Mm -hmm. in five years, every child that comes through the well will have been through the entire Bible. And then we're going to start Bible drill this fall, where that mm-hmm. way every kid now can begin mastering Scripture. You memorize grocery lists, you master the Scriptures. And we want to challenge our kids to start investing those Scriptures. So that's what we want to do, and that's what we want to model in our church plants going forward, is to mm-hmm. keep that simplicity uh, of those five maxims. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's what we look to do, plan another well church. And continue to do that as God makes it available to <laughs> so us. So good. I love it. And then let's wrap this up by you guys just sharing with us. What would be your word of encouragement to the to the church? Uh, yeah, I just want large. everybody out there, especially in the South, I just want you to pray this really simple prayer. Lord Jesus, do you want me to stay in the South where there's 80,000 churches all around me? Or would you rather me move to the desert where there's only 177 Baptist churches in our whole state? where 90% or 95% of our, our city is lost. I want you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and uh, do whatever he tells you to do. Amen. 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 You knew better than to ask Steve that question because everybody has to move to Vegas or California. Or you're out of God's will, obviously. Uh, That's so funny. Steve is trying to be the Holy Spirit, people, so don't listen to Follow your heart. Thank you, Nikki. That's funny. That's a good word. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing your story and and just for being our friends and and our what do you call it what do you call it when you're like comrade in arms but it's not comrade in arms what do we call it in the church we're like we're all in this thing together I forget what you oh, call yeah. it but well, you know I don't know our uh, co laborers that's the church word co laborers. And what a joy it is. We celebrate with you and with the well and, and all that God's doing. He's good. He's Amen. good. Amen. Amen. Give him heaven. Give him heaven. I was waiting on you to say that at yeah. some point. Very good. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Don't you love Steve and Nikki? And isn't it fun to have Tom on with me? If your church is planting churches, be sure to take time to encourage those church planters. The encouragement of the body of Christ is rich. God certainly created us for community. We thrive in it, even if it gets hard at times. I've loved hearing about the priority of prayer in Steve and Nikki's lives and ministry, and I can't wait to join them at one of their quarterly prayer services. The book Steve mentioned, Old Paths, New Power by Daniel Henderson, is listed in our show notes today. What might happen in all our communities when we get our churches praying like we genuinely believe God when he told us that if we pray, he'd heal our land? Be reminded that now is a great time to offer my four-session course, Teach My Heart to Pray, in your congregation. As you lead this study, you have the opportunity to pitch vision for the prayer clinic ministry. Learn how you can mobilize your church to pray by going to prayerclinic.com and take the virtual prayer clinic open house. I'd love to help your church have a vibrant prayer ministry. Thank you again for listening to the Leanne McCoy podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so today. Give us a five-star rating and I look forward to seeing you next time on the Leanne McCoy podcast. Thank you.